Welcome, Australia. It's the reality bite. It's cocktails and roses. It's the final episode of The Bachelor, season nine. I'm Ashley Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aitken Radburn. Are you ready? As we push the throttle down and deploy the flaps, hoping to find Jimmy Nicholson, a co-pilot for life. Yeah, you just get all of those aeroplane puns out of your system for this last episode because we're heading in the direction of Brooke Blurton's Bachelorette season soon enough. Yeah, we are on track for an on-time arrival at love. If you haven't seen episodes 15 and 16 of The Bachelor Season 9, which is the one before the final moment and the final moment, then what are you doing? Hit pause right now, go watch it on 10 Play and come right back to us because we're about to tell you the ending. Well, okay, so Alicia, we open with episode 15 and because of COVID and things like this, we've had to film it in a different way, right? We weren't really able to do much and so the traditional way of these final dates before the finale has moved around a little bit and I actually really enjoyed it because Jimmy put the ladies in charge and look, I always love an aquatic bachelor date and I always love a deity waiting on a pontoon, but to see it flipped around was lovely. I really enjoyed it. And when I first auditioned for The Bachelor and they ask you what your dream date would be, mine consisted of a couple of tinnies and a dinghy on the Hawkesbury River. So let's just say that Holly has the elevated version of that. She's got like, what would we call this boat? A pontoon boat? No, it's a houseboat. It's a Hawkesbury houseboat. A houseboat. Okay. It's a Hawkesbury River houseboat. It's the kind of thing that, you know, you can hire and they, you know, you get like a 15-minute briefing. Here's how to make it go forward. Here's how to make it go backwards. Here's how to not crash it into anything. And here's how to make it not catch on fire when you're cooking. All right, see you in a week. That's pretty much the holiday and off you pop, away you go. And tips for people coming out of, hopefully, touch wood, eventually coming out of lockdown in Sydney. This is like, it's the best weekend date idea I mean, I haven't tried the houseboat, but I have been known to drive to the Hawkesbury down sort of Brooklyn Marina Way, hire a dinghy and just go cruising. It's beautiful down there. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's good. And you're right about the 15-minute briefing. You could have never even touched a boat in your life and they're like, yeah, go for gold. (laughs) Should be right. If you see something in the way, turn. See you in a week. Bye. They give you a two-way or something. I'm sure there's some sort of safety involved. Yeah. But look, I do love a bachelor date that starts with looking at the water because like, if you're on the bachelor and you're thinking, if you're not looking at water, are you even thinking? Are you even having a monologue inside your head about if you're here for the right reasons? Let's be honest. It's very difficult because Holly is very verbose about her emotions and Jimmy's in this really tricky position. At this, It gets worse and worse and worse towards the very, very end because our bachelor or our bachelorette, whoever is the hero cannot respond to the people they're dating about how they actually feel. And it's very, very hard for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, and in this scene we have Holly's reached the peak. She's she's let out her emotions and she's told Jimmy that she is in love with him. I don't know how you felt about it, Osha, but it was incredibly pronounced to me in this scene that I think more than ever, you could see that Jimmy actually can't give her much in return whatsoever. And I found it a little bit of an awkward watch because you're just putting yourself out there in such a way. And then it's sort of like, okay, we're going into a neck nuzzle. (laughs) So I'm trying to give you anything to sort of recognize that you've shared something pretty ginormous with me. Yeah, really tough, really tough. And look, I and I've got to say this, I know people listen and they hear the way we speak and they try to deduce what is going on, but I'm here to tell you, you don't know nothing. All I'm saying is that it's very, very hard at this point for everyone concerned. Imagine what it would be like. It's like that ad you see for the for KFC on the TV. I love you. And she says, thank you. Like that's pretty much what you're limited to. <laughs> Pretty much because he, you know, he or she, because we can't spoil the ending, cannot say this towards the very end. I've got to say, like, the ability for these ladies to communicate their needs to Jimmy is actually quite, I'm, I'm really quite impressed with it. Holly was very open saying, you know, talking about her father when she was younger. And I don't know what, well, this is a, sounds like a very advanced conversation to have with a, a potential boyfriend or girlfriend. 
What were your thoughts about her coming out of the gate going, hey, look, just so you know, this is some baggage that shows up when I show up? Oh, you've just foreshadowed my best aviation pun. I was going to say that Jimmy's getting closer and closer to baggage collection with the day. God, that's perfect. <laughs> Holly's checking in with a, a bit of extra luggage, isn't he? She's, uh, she's, no, that's no fault. We all show up with baggage. Oh, hello. I'm filling out three carnets with the amount of pelican cases full of shit from my childhood. Good Lord. Exactly. Me too. And I'm actually surprised, like, you say, Osha, you know, she's sharing this and it's massive and I really respect her and I've sort of, I think through the season, we've been able to pick up through her hometowns and now what she's explicitly sort of sharing with Jimmy about her family and her dad. These are really tough conversations to have and I think that we really get to see the sort of person that Holly really is at her core when she's deciding to share this pain. Mm. And I think that it makes her, you know, for lack of a better word, really relatable. I think all of us, as you say, Osha, have a few fly light cases filled with stuff from our past. And, you know, I'm glad that she shared it with Jimmy now because... I guess I'm probably the sort of person, I think I like led with all of my baggage on me and Glenn's first date. Uh. Oh, mate, you don't even know. When I first met Audrey, I was like the guy who's got nothing matched and then a couple of the laundry bags they give you over the counter go, I'll just stuff it in there. So I've got, I'm like, and by the way, this as well. <laughs> she still said yes. I was very, very lucky. But... You know, it was it was a real interesting thing because they both had dads who weren't around very much, but the reasons their fathers weren't around very much were very, very different. And I've got to give it to Holly for understanding that her experience doesn't mean that will always be her experience. She was willing to accept that Jimmy's experience of his dad not being around very much was actually quite good. And his relationship with his father now is, and has always been, fantastic. And I was very grateful that Holly didn't have this hard and fast rule that because this happened to me, it will always happen forever. I've got to give it up for that because that, that can be a really hard thing for some people to deviate from. Oh, well, Steph and Pilots, <laughs> it took about eight episodes for her to sort of, <laughs> they're making out and she's still like, oh, I'm not really that sure about Pilots. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Holly did super well. And the date, you know, they've jumped off the back of the boat. They were very getting very sort of steamy in the water. It was a really lovely sort of, penultimate date for them. Big, big, big ticks for Jimmy and Holly for, I believe now this is at least twice that they have jumped in what is visibly piss-freezing water in (laughs) like once in a rock pool and then once into the Hawkesbury. And we shot this, this was probably May, maybe early May that we shot this. So cold, man, cold. And they still jumped in and they still, they did it. Good on them. They made it look hot. (laughs) Oh, I was into it. I mean, I would have like, I was concentrating on the love that I was like, oh yeah, I could head down to the Hawkesbury, jump in that water. (laughs) (laughs) You got me thinking about houseboats now. I'm loving that. Mm. Uh, Jimmy has to very trickily, you know, I mean, in the wild, if we're first starting to see someone, it's quite feasible that we would see someone for, you know, a date on Friday for the first time, for example, and then see someone else that we've been seeing for a little while on the Saturday. Like it, it's quite common that we might go out for dinner or, you know, a movie or whatever we used to be able to do or some canoodling with two separate people on two separate days. And so in the wild, that's completely fine. We just kind of accept that this goes on. But here in Bachelor Land, everyone's really aware of it. And because it's so obvious, it comes with so much more gravity, you know, because... Jay, now, I can't remember the order of these things. Like, we may have put it in the edit in a different order to how it happened, okay? But bear in mind, they are pretty much back-to-back. It is a a week of these, you know, every other day or every day. Yes. And we moved to Jay's date, and goodness me, there was a lot to unpack here, Alicia. (laughs) I, for the first time... And this is not saying anything about Jay and Jimmy's relationship, but probably for the first time through this season, when Jimmy is heading into the sort of Sydney Harbour area to meet Jay, I thought he sounded a little bit exacerbated. Like he was, this has been a long process and I can't imagine like every time that he gets up for one of these single dates now, you have to be on, you have to be present with your person And 
Yeah, it was the first time I noticed it. But as soon as he sees Jay, it seems... I mean, oh, Osha, I feel like I've I feel like it's never been the same since Glenworth Valley. Uh no, I agree with you. And then, you know, on last week's hometowns where it seemed to be the week of your best mates throwing you under the bus and brothers in some cases, which was great, but they went canoeing on Sydney Harbour, which I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm up for canoeing, I'm up for a bit of aquatic adventure, but I think Jimmy was very much like, hang on, there's, you know, there's, we need to talk. We need to talk a lot. And he's got this in the back of his mind that her best mates just said, didn't you know that she dates famous? You don't know that? That she's dated this famous person and that she wants to be a presenter? Like, this is all new intel for Jimmy. He hasn't had a chance to clear it with her before they go on this canoeing adventure. But then she drops some pretty, pretty, pretty big intel, doesn't she? She tells Jimmy that the famous person in question that she was dating is, and I love the way that she puts it. She's like, oh, um, yeah, you know, like the show that we we're on The Bachelor. Yeah, they, they like have that in New Zealand and he's The Bachelor. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. So from my understanding, Jay dated him before he was The Bachelor. That's just from my background research that I've done. It sort of strikes me as a Kieran and Renee situation from Bachelor in Paradise. This is what I was reading it as in the sense that the thing that happened with Kieran and Renee, and I'm trying to get my dates right, was that Renee was cast on Matt Agnew's season of The Bachelor. She went and did that experience. And obviously her and Kieran had been dating in the real world. And that sort of catalyzed Kieran to go apply for The Bachelorette. And, you know, just two freaking gorgeous people just simply get their get themselves cast on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette one straight after another. And I do think that there was some, you know, it was a factor in me applying for The Bachelor. I'd gotten out of a year and a half relationship. It was a really awful breakup. And there was obviously a little part of me that was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go on The Bachelor. (laughs) I'm going to go date Nick Cummins. (laughs) And so I wonder if there is something in the fact that Jay's ex is now or has since become The Bachelor in New Zealand that catalyzed her to apply for The Bachelor in Australia. Look, I don't know, but this information drops like a bomb. All right, and you have a background in politics, you have a background in lobbying, you have a background in political messaging. I believe in your uh, line of work, this sort of information, this sort of thing is something that you want, how do you put it, you want to get in front of. Yes. You want to get ahead of this. You don't want this to come out on the last episode before the finale. You probably want to go, hi, MJ, you never believe this. You're the second Bachelor I've known. You're like on the red carpet. You want to be saying that because what has been the effect? The effect has been this whole time there has been uncertainty and unsurety and then this just builds, 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 builds. And now that Jimmy's finding out, What's the only thing he's left with? It's uncertainty. It's like it's a head spinning effect for the poor guy. I don't want to say betrayal, but it seems like, come on, man, I'm being honest with everyone. It just seems to compound every little piece of information that he's received. And it's frustrating. Like I I do, I feel for Jay if the fact of the matter is, is that not that she's been stitched up, but the fact that, you know, some people and I'm again, you've got to be I've got to be so careful with my words. I'm not saying that like Jay isn't emotionally mature, but I do think that some people are better at identifying what that might have an impact on their relationship moving forward. Mm. And, you know. I think that there's, to bring some nuance to the situation, I do think that there is a world here where, you know, Jay in her mind is like, I'm here for the right reasons. I really like Jimmy. None of this is really relevant to the situation. And so she doesn't feel a need to address it. But unfortunately, maybe someone who, you know, has a bit more of a political bent to them. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing. Sometimes. The other side is more pure and beautiful. But it's something that I think that she, as you said, Osha, it would have been wise for her to get on the front foot about. Yeah. And I remember to liken it to when I was forming my relationship with Glenn in Paradise, there were definitely a, a few aspects of my previous experience that I wanted him to understand. 
in the formative stages of our relationship, like two things stick out to me. On my first season of The Bachelor, I was the villain, as we would say. And I remember one of our producers was doing an interview with Glenn in the first stages. And by this stage, I'd done two shows, knew the producers very well, very good friends. And they were like joking around with him saying, oh, did you know that she was the villain? And he came out to me and he said, oh, like, tell me about your first season. So not only did we unpack my first season, where I I wanted to let him know that that was a part of my experience, but also my second season, he didn't, he hadn't watched Bachelor in Paradise before. And so I had to sort of like educate him on everything that had happened with Jules, because I knew that everyone not I would be looking at our relationship through that lens and comparing it to Jules. And I knew that once people finally watched the show, there would be comparisons between Jules and my relationship and Glenn and I's relationship. So I just think that sometimes you want to make sure that everyone, that we're both moving through our relationship building in the same context. I couldn't agree more. And I do want to be very, very clear here. I'm all for whoever it is that you want to be intimate with, you go ahead and you be intimate with that person. If you want to be intimate with as many people as you like every day of the week, go for it. Express yourself however you want to express yourself. As long as everyone's consenting and having a good time, great. Good for you. Hooray. Get out there. Get amongst it. You've got to go on all the rides at the Echo before you find the one you want to stay on all day. You go. I am not saying that it was not a good thing that Jay has, you know, seen this person in her past. I'm just saying that it probably would have served her to play a little better and get in front of it. I'm not saying that there's no rule that says you can't. Crikey, you want to collect a whole set of bachelors around the world? Go for it. I'm thinking that, like, if you're playing with people's real feelings, which Jimmy is clearly here for real feelings, probably best to show respect to that and get in front of this. Oh, and you're at the pointy end of this experience. You're literally top three, and there is a very good chance that in a couple of weeks you will be leaving the Bachelor bubble and you'll be in the real world yeah. and you're getting to know each other in a new context. And the what, eventually Jimmy comes across the fact that you, you dated the New Zealand Bachelor? Like, I don't know. It's just something that you want to have a chat about. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be doing that, you know, that Instagram scroll when you first meet someone and how far back can you go? <laughs> and you're hang on, what? <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. We can't do it. It's not good. We move on to the the final date for this episode, the final date that the ladies are in charge of, and it is Brooke. And Brooke, how do I put this? It looks like the urgency of and the approaching finaledom of the finale is having an effect on Brooke. And there's there's some intensity about Brooke this time around, isn't there? I just love this opening to their penultimate date where Jimmy's like reflecting on their relationship thus far and he's like, oh, I've always like really connected with Brooke from the get-go. And then he's like, oh, Brooke had to leave the mansion and she's returned and she's a little bit more intense than I remembered it. And then it's like cut scene to her being like, so I was having a little bit of a stalk. (laughs) I thought that did her a little bit dirty, but you know, we've recognized it. We chatted about it last episode. I think Brooke's an intense person and, you know, we're going to get into it more in episode 16, our finale. But through these last two episodes, I've recognized, obviously, and, you know, everyone does, that Brooke is intense. But I found it a lot more endearing these two episodes. I was really nervous in episodes sort of 13 and 14 that it would ruin their relationship. But more and more through these two episodes, I'm seeing her intensity and their relationship. I'm seeing it as something that they can navigate together Hopefully. And I can really like, I don't know, I just really feel it with them. In these dates, I just, and maybe it's because I've been there and I've done that and I've watched a lot of the show, but I feel like I can see this authenticity jump through the screen. And I just, I think that Jimmy really freaking likes her. There's no doubt. There's no doubt he does. And the context of this final moment where, I mean, let's not forget, Brooks and OT, all right? That's a, that's a really, it's a job you need a huge amount of empathy and a huge amount of compassion to do. And you probably need a fair amount of intensity to be good at that job. You're, you know, when you think about the people you're working with as an occupational therapist, 
you're going to need to be able to persevere with people who are struggling perhaps on the back end of, of some sort of trauma, some sort of traumatic accident or someone trying to cope with, you know, living a life not as abled as other people. So it, that personality type probably really suits the job that she does. And a little bit of that was revealed when we went to, I believe it was like the second group date we ever did on Tim Robard's season. After the photo shoot, it was Guide Dogs Australia, me and Tim. Me and Tim are there in 2013 at Guide Dogs Australia. And if you think a basket full of Labrador puppies is also on the internet, you wait till a basket full of Labrador puppies actually arrives at Guide Dogs Australia. It is amazing. Wow. I have been there. I held six Labrador puppies in my arms. Oh, my gosh. It also gave me flashbacks to... um. It wasn't associated with guide dogs, but do you remember that classic date, Cam Cranley and Georgia Love, with um, Cam had like these tiny Labradors or some tiny puppy crawling all over him and he's like a six foot five firefighter. It was pretty special. (laughs) It was a very special moment. I did like that. Occasionally on Bachelor, we do have these parent tests. You know, it's vaguely disguised as a parenting test where it's like, you're running a kid's birthday party or you're going to, you know. You're going to dress this mannequin up and their leg might fall off. Yeah. But yeah, parent, parenting. <laughs> We're doing a parent test. We're doing parent tests. And this absolutely was a parent test. I loved it. How do you think Jimmy went? Do you think Brookie was impressed with Jimmy's skills? I think that Brooke was, you know, if there was anything that was going to up Brooke's intensity (laughs) anymore, it was seeing Jimmy with this tiny little Labrador puppy. I'm not the sort of person that's like looking at baby dog Instagrams all the time, but this got me hard. I was like watching him with that little joyful puppy and it was just... I think what she says in her interview is, marry me, Jimmy. Like, she's just there. She's just, (laughs) it's done that last bit of work that she needed. And then we leave, we leave the puppy training and we head into what Brooke calls and then repeats later that she wants to show Jimmy her sexy side. I didn't know where to look, Alicia. (laughs) I didn't know where to look. It's like imagining that your kid's kindergarten teacher who suddenly is pregnant, you're like, oh, oh, you know, it's just this, I, I didn't know where to look. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with myself when I, when this was happening. I, sometimes it's very much like I would recommend like show, don't tell. I feel like we didn't need the like narrative piece. <laughs> she yeah. looks sexy. Of course she looks sexy. But, like, you know, just let the sexy speak for itself. You look freaking hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's be- stunning, beautiful woman. And, yeah, it was having, the, the as you mentioned, the narrative <laughs> uh, commentary, I, I don't know. That does, works for some people. I, I didn't know where to look myself. Jimmy did, though, have to find a moment to talk to her about what her brother dropped. I've got to say, he tried to have the hard chat with her. He really did, didn't he? Yeah. Through these two episodes, I think I have discussed and unpacked everyone's sort of body language (laughs) and how they're moving through these different discussions. Like Glenn and I, for the whole two episodes, were just like back and forth with each other, psychoanalyzing the situation, basically. And I was taken aback by Brooke's body language post Jimmy bringing up the brother. Like she was really... She like clenched her forehead in her hands, basically. And she was just like having a very emotional reaction. And look, this is where Glenn and I got on our unpacking journey in this episode. We read it as I thought that in this moment, this was probably the biggest moment where Brooke was potentially like, I think Jimmy had already taken the journey where he was like, there are a couple of things, logistical things about Brooke and I's relationship that might mean that it doesn't work. And I think that this was the first time that Brooke was reading the signs and analysing the situation and stepping out of that, like, love-struckness. Yeah. And she was like, oh, gosh, this might not work. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard, you know, because, you know, and I've been in a situation where I met someone and... I was so caught up with it and I was like, this is amazing. It's going to be great. And it's going to be, and and then my brain was like, yeah, but 
you know, the fact that she lives in another country and this is what she does for a living and, you know... Yes. Are you sure? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, sh- don't worry about that. We'll deal with details later. I'm in the middle of love or lust or I'm in the middle of it all and then the gearbox just wouldn't engage. The cogs wouldn't fit, you know, and... And it's it's really hard, you know, because you can fall in love with the fantasy of what you want it to be. And then you can both try, but when the reality doesn't match what the fantasy of what you want it to be is, it starts to fall to bits. And I've got to say again, Brooke, really communicative, just like Holly, really communicative going, look, my, my love language is quality time. If you haven't read the love languages book, you should read it. She goes, my love language is quality time. And you know, she started, as you mentioned, she started to go, oh, I really need quality time. Here's a person that can't give me quality time. Ah, <laughs> it's all starting to, you know, but, you know, maybe, you know, certainly I'm a person who believes that we get into relationships to, I guess, what, what do the, uh, the meditators call it, to, to ascend towards a more pure version of oneself. I believe that we get into relationships to heal past traumas and heal things yes. that uh, have been missing from our lives yeah. and become better who as we are as people. So I can totally understand what it would be like to go, okay, I can see that this might be holding me back. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say yes to this and I'm going to work on that this neediness because I can see that that might have been holding me back. That might be the reason I'm not having great times. And I might turn out to be a better person because of it. Let's go. That's certainly what I've done with Audrey. You know, I absolutely, there was parts of me that I identified as like, you know, I don't, I can live without that. To be with this person, I'm going to have to learn how to live without that, but that's okay because that isn't serving me or her or, you know, in this case, it was Georgia. So let's go. I'm going to boldly move into this with the hope of healing this past damage and become a better person because of this. Yeah. That's also a challenge that she may be right into and he might be right into. You know, you've got to understand that that people can commit to something that might not be right because by being together in a healing and loving relationship, you can become even more amazing together. For the first time in this scene, I saw Brooke take a couple of steps, baby steps, towards the fact that There is room here. She can become that person. Like, I know he's away four days a week. I know he's getting home at 11 p.m. But you can become that person. You can work on your insecurity. And there is a way in this relationship, I think, for you to have that quality time, for you to be affirmed, for you to be reassured by your partner. And I think it will give her strength of character and I think it will make her a stronger person. And I think that, and we're going to get into it a little bit more once we tackle episode 16, but there is a part of me that just thinks that I can see a lot of, and you know, a lot of it's assumptions, but you know, I think Jimmy lives in the Eastern suburbs. I think I heard on the grapevine, he's sort of like a private school boy. And there's a picture of Jimmy having lived in Sydney the majority of my life where I can read what a lot of his experience through this life may have been like and what many of the sort of people that he's met have been like. And I think that there is a space with Jimmy and Brooke that I think Brooke could just bring something really special about Jimmy out of him to like help him get in touch with his quirkiness and you know, I, I just see this. I'm like getting shivers talking about it, but I just think that they could be really interesting for each other. Yeah. They both have a lot to gain from being together, which is which is a real special thing when you meet someone that challenges you. You know, you don't want to be who you are at the start of a relationship or the entire relationship. You want to grow and move together and ascend, I guess, as you let go of cargo and jettison ballast that you no longer need and jettison cargo. Can I also just point out, because I literally cheered at my TV, even though maybe potentially it's like a little emotionally charged and we're not sort of thinking about, we're not thinking pragmatically, but Brooke just says, fuck logistics. And I was like, hell yeah, go make out in the pool. That's right. She gave it a shot. And, and you know, I'm, I'm mad for it. And this all made sense because then when we get to rose ceremony, the decision that Jimmy made is clear as day. Clear as day. 
I did get pretty whispery. I didn't get as whispery as I got last week. Last week, I was sure I was going to get those subtitles. My goal, in case you're wondering, anyone listening, my goal is to be subtitled like a behind-the-back conversation at a Survivor Tribal Council. We're voting. We're voting for Emmett. Yes. Vote for Emmett. You know. Yes. I, I, it's in my backpack. Pass me the idol. Oh, if you haven't watched Survivor this season, we just spoiled all of it. Um, fuck, it's so good, by the way. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's my goal is to whisper so quietly I get subtitled like they do in Survivor. So I've been trying real hard, but they keep pumping me up. It'll happen. I believe in you. But this is my last whisper. I don't whisper anymore after this. This is my last whisper for the entire season, and it was Jay. And she felt the pain. In the car ride home. And that's fair enough. Yeah, she's been in a, on a really, really long journey. And I think it would mm. also be particularly painful leaving when you've had all of these sort of like rumours and things that are seemingly out of your control colour a lot of your relationship. Yeah. And I think this might be a really amazing, important learning experience for Jay as well in the sense that like maybe moving into other relationships, she will be inclined to sort of I think a part of the reason why I am so upfront with some of sort of my past trauma or my past baggage is because I want the person to have the full picture of who they are getting to know. I don't want there to be any surprises. Oh, yeah. So I agree with you. So I think maybe for Jay, I think it might empower her to, yeah. I just want you to put on your imagination hat for a moment and teleport yourself and tell me, in the final scene, the final date with Jimmy, and as she's in the car ride home, Jay's revealing who it is the person that she dated was, and in the car ride home, what's happening at Tani's house? <laughs> what? Watching the ser- series. <laughs> oh, gosh. As Tani watches Jay tell Jimmy who it was. Yeah. And as Jimmy yeah. then says... Bit of vindication. <laughs> Oh, I'll have to be watching Tani's Instagram stories. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That'll be... Okay, hang on. Be right back. Just going gonna... <laughs> All right. We need to take a break, ladies and gentlemen, because we're getting into the final, final, final moment. So if you haven't watched the last episode, we're about to tell you the winner. Well, there is no winner. There is only love. Here's a commercial break because we have to pay the bills. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome to the final segment of the final episode of Bachelor Season 9. I'm Osher Ginsberg, Bachelor Aitken Radburn, and I'm just here to talk about how brilliant reality television is now that we can access very, very high-spec drones and take them to places that you can otherwise never take them because, goodness me, how incredible oh. does our country look? Osha, I messaged you when I saw this first shot of you, episode 16, standing in gorgeous Alice Springs and it was just show-stopping. Yeah. I just had shivers when you gave an acknowledgement and I was just, it's so beautiful. This whole, we have to talk about the cinematography and the landscape through this last episode is just. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're going to get to it, but Jimmy's final, the final ceremony, the just the backlit cliffs it was just really special for our series yeah if you've never been and i I wrote back to you that if you've never been now now bear in mind uluru is is not alice springs uluru is uh five hours of northern territory oh yes yes sorry five hours of northern territory yeah speed limit (laughs) driving like five hours and 130 in a straight shot west towards the West Australian border. So it's a long way. It's 400 and 500 k's away. So it's a long, long, long way away. Northern Territory was what I was searching for. Okay, then. Because it is gorgeous. Yeah. And if you've ever been if you've ever been to Europe, if you've ever been to, for example, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, if you've ever stood at the Western Wall or stood in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre or been to Barcelona and, and stood in that massive cathedral there, think of the spiritual significance of those places. Multiply them by about 150,000 that 
is Uluru. It is the power of every cathedral on the planet, the spiritual power of every cathedral on the planet, just focused. It is an astonishing place to witness, to be, to, to breathe the, the power that emanates out of the earth all around you. The first time I saw Uluru, Alicia, I burst into tears. This is in 2006 when my emotions weren't working properly, okay? And my, <laughs> my body didn't know how to react, but suddenly my body just knew something was going on and I started crying. Oh, that speaks to the significance because because it's able to reach down within your heart. I'm so glad that we've been able to capture it so Oh yeah. I think I think this episode has really done Uluru justice. Like it looks gorgeous. There's so many parts so many parts of our country that Australians finally, thankfully, unfortunately from COVID and people are dying and having a horrible time, but people are discovering that our country is Amazing, and the spiritual significance and the uh, the oldest continual culture on earth has a lot to teach us and a lot to give us. And you, me, and the team when we were driving around, because a lot of driving when you're doing these episodes. Me and the team were driving around. Our soundtrack for the entire time was nothing but Paul Kelly, Archie Roach, and Midnight Oil. We were just like Dan Sultan. We were just in it. We were just deep in it, and it was I love it. It was so 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 good. Jimmy's family shows up in some brilliant amazing villa on the edge of the mcpherson range like wow beautiful it's it's incredible i should send you the photo i took of pine gap as we were landing by the way it's pretty bananas so the ladies have to meet his family that they've already met mum and one sister and the cousin brooke hasn't met jimmy's mum yet but they've both met tani and oh gosh i'm gonna butcher the names jimmy's sister and cousin lisa and tani yeah so they've already met They've already met part of Jimmy's family. No one's met Noel, Jimmy's dad, yet. I loved Noel. <laughs> Noel's great. He's fabulous, fabulous people. They get to meet Brooke first. And fabulously, I've got to, I think, I'm pretty sure the dress that Brooke was wearing, they were all, all local designers. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We, as a production, went, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it proper. So they're pretty sure the local there's local designers in all of the that's awesome all of the wardrobe choices, which is brilliant. Brooke looked fantastic in the sunset. With, oh my god, it was amazing. Yeah, she did. Anyway, <laughs> Jimmy's having a bit of a bit of dance with mum and dad, letting him know, hey, there's something going on with Brooke. It's pretty special. Holly's told me she loves me. What was the family's reaction to that? Uh, Jimmy's sister's face and her voxy afterwards yeah. was pretty sort of. Pretty taken aback that Holly had declared her love for Jimmy. And, you know, they're all, and this is anyone who's outside of the Bachelor franchise. I think people who are in the experience, it's not so crazy to, but people outside of the Bachelor experience are like, oh, it's very quick to say that you love somebody. And, you know, maybe fair, she's a psychologist after all. But yeah, they were taken aback and it was interesting. I love the parents. So good. I've fallen in love quickly. I, I've known quickly in the past. When you know, you know. When you, I don't think there's a problem with it. I have as well. I mean, clearly I profess my undying love on the beaches of Fiji. Yeah, we saw it. So yes, I'm not, I'm not surprised by it. So... I mean, yes, I'm on board. I'm on board with the declaration. Brooke gets, uh, she has to get, I don't want to use the word interrogated, but (laughs) parents put her through a thing or two. One of them says, oh, no, sister, he says, tell me more about that. Like the classic psychologist, tell me more about that. So Jimmy's mom, she's well and truly, she's having a bit of a chat with her, talks about relationships, struggling to be accepted into families, her boyfriends that she's had in the past. And Sue just says, look, you can smother Jim. He's a giving boy, but he needs his independence. Like when the boy's mum tells you that, is it going to be a thing that I'm going to willingly ignore like a coal farmer with climate change? <laughs> That's what they are, right? They farm them. They farm it, don't they? You just want to willingly ignore it because it's like, yeah, 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 I appreciate that. But no, this is how I make my money. So I'm just going to keep doing this thing. Is she going to take that on board? What do you think? I think that I, I was fascinated by Brooke and Susan sitting together because I actually felt that they are quite They're polar opposites in my eyes. I think that for all of Brooke's clinginess, I think she's really self-aware. Like, I think she's very good. I guess I thought that Susan, as a psychologist, I expected her to be a little bit more impressed by the way that Brooke really interrogates her own emotions and unpacks how she 
relates to this world. Yeah. But I felt that Susan was a bit thrown by, you know, she said it in a matter of words, thrown by Brooke's intensity and didn't know how Brooke would sort of blend with their family. But I like it. <laughs> I think you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Both Holly and Brooke have, and Jimmy for that matter, they've got a, a huge amount of vocabulary when it comes to describing their own emotional state and they're very self-aware. All three of them are very self-aware, which really helps this part. Particularly like, yeah, Brooke, she's all the way up in the Northern Territory. She's talking to the potential you know, family of the boyfriend that she wants and she's going, yeah, and I'm this. To be able to say that up front, that takes a lot. A lot of, you know, many people would want to hide that kind of thing. But I was, I was really happy about it. Jimmy's dad, Noel, has sit down, chat with Holly. They're a bit worried about Holly's ability to work through conflict. But then Jimmy's dad, Noel, under the bus, straight up. I was. This like really gagged me because I basically what we saw was Noel goes for a chat with Holly. And when Noel asked Holly for the chat and they're walking away together, I was, okay, I'm just going to be super upfront with we're on a podcast. I'm going to just let out exactly how I feel about the situation. I was like, Holly looks kind of similar to Susan. Like, I feel like we read a lot about this. You know, I've definitely heard you like, pick someone who sort of emulates your mother. And I do think that there are people in this life that do that. And I thought that like when Noel and Holly were walking off, I was like, oh, that's like a younger version of Susan. And Noel seemed to like get along with her really well. And they come back to the table. They ask how, how did the chat go? And Noel was very charismatic in his chat with Holly. And he says it was an amazing chat. And she leaves the table and basically straight away he was like, no, I would pick Brooke. I was like, what? Well, the line that blew me away was like, nah, she's pretty much the same as all the other girls you've dated. <laughs> What do you think of that? Because this is a reoccurring theme and, you know, at this point we really, really see in a way that I've never seen in a Bachelor finale this stark contrast between the safe bet Mm. and a risk. There's always that, though. It always ends up that way. I don't think that we've seen it that pronounced before. I concur. The last time I got this contrast was Angie's season between Carlin and Tim. And I really like Mm. that spoke to me as I thought that Angie had a lot of chemistry with Tim, but she ended up going with Carlin. I don't think we've definitely not had parents who were like, I pick this one. (laughs) No, most of the time the parents are at least kind of aligned. Yeah. But Susan and Noel, no help at all, Jimmy. You're on your own, son. Good luck. They're 50-50. What do you think of the... She is similar to your ex-girlfriends. Well, I mean, I'm uh, in a probably the best relationship I've ever been in my life. And I'm a firm believer in that if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. If you keep getting similar results, you need to go, well, what's my part here? What am I doing? What am I choosing? What's that great line from the Benjamin Zander book? What choices am I making that I do not realize I'm making that give me what I see? What choices could I make that I have not yet made that could give me more possibility? The book's called The Art of Possibility. It's an amazing book, Benjamin Zander. So that really resonates with me. And I'm like, well, okay, then what have, what have I been... Oh, when I look at the... Okay, yep, there's, there's a through line. Okay, what if I just tried something different? What if I went and Audrey came into my life and she is in a million ways more, you know, so different and so wonderful... And even she said, you know, we sometimes old footage of me shows up on TV. She goes, yeah, I never would have dated you. Never, ever. You would have had no chance. <laughs> like, so wow. I'm someone that she would have never considered before either. But it's the healthiest relationship I've, I've ever. It's not say everything's, you know, champagne and roses. You know, it's, we have struggles like anybody. But for me, that's how I like to play things. But each to their own, you know. You know and, I, and I say this to people all the time. We get to this end of the seasons of Bachelor or Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise. And it's often like, um, you know, before I, I went plant-based, I would sit at dinner and I'd look at the menu that I had in front of me. I'd look at the person next to me. I'd see them water go, oh, why would you want that? And they go, mm, this is the best meal ever. Like people yes. want to put in their mouth what they want to put in their mouth and that's good for them. And it's the same with people. People want to be with people that's good for them. And you just have to go, that's for you. I also think that I'm a big believer in the decisions that we make 
I don't necessarily believe in fate or anything like that. I'm too much of a pragmatic person. But I do believe that there is something like when we do make a decision, we have to play it out through our lives. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think you can in either of these situations, if he picks Brooke, I think that has a story to be played out in his life. If he picks Holly, that also does. (laughs) Where it ends up, I do not know. He is stressed out. (laughs) He is very stressed out. There's two final dates they get through. Brookie just says, hey, Jimmy, you make my ovaries tingle, which is, you know, most of the time is a good thing. Oh, my God. It can, you know, uh, mean that ovulation's happening or, you know, can be a harbinger for something that you need to call your doctor about. But generally, it's a good thing. Generally, it's a good thing. They go for a date on a hot air balloon. And I've, I've been on a hot air balloon in this part of the world. And if you've never been to the Northern Territory, Jimmy Matheson and I went up in a hot air balloon to shoot something for Australian Idol a long time ago. And we went up and the balloon pilot said, you see that fence line down there? And we said, yeah. He goes, hang on, we're just passing it now. Okay. And I said, yeah, what? He goes, we are now in a cattle station that is bigger than London, Scotland, England, Ireland, Wales, Germany, and France combined. Wow. <laughs> I so want to go hot air ballooning. It seems beautiful. Bananas. They end up at a billabong. Finally, some warm water. <laughs> <laughs> and Brooke drops the bomb. But not the full bomb. She says she's falling in love with him and it's a very compelling and I was compelled by it. It felt very authentic and genuine because it is, uh, I think. But she doesn't do the full I am in love with you. And I was kind of, I kind of was impressed by that. I think I just, okay. So when we were in paradise and we were edging to the commitment ceremony, Glenn and I, I also didn't do the, I felt a lot of pressure to on our sort of final date after meeting my mum, after I met Neil, because it was on the tip of my tongue, as Brooke says, to say, I love you. But I sort of wanted to say, I wanted to save that for the friggin' I'm wearing Dolce and Gabbana. And I wanted it to be in that final moment. It was my fairy tale ending I was constructing. Oh. And I felt that with Brooke. I felt that she was kind of, and also perhaps protecting her heart just a little bit. Yeah, and that's, for, I get it. And you don't, you don't send all the good stuff on the, on the nudes. You want to keep something for the, you know, real IRL, you know. <laughs> you want to get the angles right. Mm. So, yeah, you're not seeing everything. I don't know exactly what, I know exactly what you mean. Another date with Holly, another aviation date. Well, I guess he's a pilot. He likes to be off the ground. They're in a little aeroplane. They fly around Uluru which is, uh, you know, it's, it's an astonishing thing. And Jimmy has this revelation about Holly. He realises, I guess, what his father told him, you know, a couple of days prior, doesn't he? Do you think that a man, a young man of Jimmy's age and context, goes with the advice of his mum or his dad more? Who do you think that he would be more inclined to be guided by? Glenn reckons his mum. He comes up with it by himself. He kind of goes, oh, Oh, okay then. Well, she is fairly similar to people I've been with before. Mm. Why would it be any different? I'm not here to play it safe. I'm here to take risks. You know, he's a pilot. I don't want him to take risks. If I hear, ladies and gentlemen, first officer Jimmy Nicholson flying you up to Byron Bay today, I want him to be like, and I'm a very careful person who never takes risks. That's what I want, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. I don't, I, don't, I don't want, and I'm here to see how far we can get this fucker. <laughs> you know, I want, I'll rack, I've never had it sideways, but let's see what's going to go on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't want that. I want someone who doesn't take any risks. Yes. We get to the final ceremony, which was... And again, you just got to go. You've got to go to the Northern Territory. The ads they show on TV about going there don't do it justice. It's astonishing and you you have to, have to, have to go. We went to this incredible place, which has a white person name called Simpsons Gap, but it's probably a a far better name with far more emotional and spiritual significance because there's water there and it's, you know, these, these, again, cathedral-like places, you know, places of enormous spiritual significance for the Indigenous First Nations people. Mm. And it was just absolutely stunning. And I've got to give it up to Mossy and uh, Scotty and Minnie and Aidy and and, and Jamie and the whole team, Muzz and and Steve, all, all the crew, the lighting guys, Every one of those lights had to come on a truck from Sydney. All right, they really went hard out and they made this incredible. Phenomenal. It just completely blew my mind. When I met Jimmy, I've, I've met, this is the Knight's Bachelor I've met in this moment. The last time I did this, Lockie was on the verge of tears, as no doubt you could see, he ended up just weeping. 
because he was a very, you know, a very emotional moment, poor fella. Jimmy was just, it was the most emotional I've ever seen him. You know, he's a very emotionally available man and he was, he was wound up, the poor guy. He knew he had to break someone's heart. Did he know who he was picking? At that point. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Well, I mean, he must have. Okay. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say at that point, yes, he absolutely knew who, who he had chosen. You said that he hadn't gotten very much. He, like, have you gotten very much sleep, Jimmy? No. So he had clearly been no. doing some work. I think it's more that the whole time I'm the one that does the dumping. Yes. The yes. The whole time. I mean, I've, I've dumped you. <laughs> you know, the whole time I have. You did. It was brutal. I, the whole time my job is to keep our bachelor or our bachelorette as the good guy. My job is to be the one that pulls the trigger. My job is like, oh, they're not that into you. It's time to go. Yeah. And so they, in the eyes of everybody else, they never they never do the breaking up in front of the person they're going to end up with. But this final moment is the first time the whole season they actually have to do it. Unless they have a moment at a cocktail party where they walk someone off, which is generally the emotional connection is not as strong. But this is the first time. And I think that's the thing that kept Jimmy up. And I think that's the thing that was stressing him out the most. In his heart, he knew what he wanted as far as love is concerned. Yes. But also in his heart, because he's an empathetic man. He's a man with mm. great compassion. He is such a kind and lovely soul. He just didn't want to hurt this person by telling them it's not you. And that is the real, real thing that I think really weighed on him because he never wants to cause harm. He's that kind of guy. He doesn't want to cause harm. Then we come to the final ceremony for Jimmy's season of The Bachelor. And my goodness, in years past, we've done tricky things with the edit, but I don't think we've ever been so tricky than we were on this one. This was... (laughs) I was blown away. I was. And for context, can I paint the picture? I live in Perth, so I was FaceTiming with our lovely producer so I could see the ending at the same time as everybody else. And trying to keep up with the amount of feet and whose foot it was coming out of that limo, I was just, I was really on the edge of my seat. And what a finale, Osha. Just the edit. I mean, we did that once with Matt Agnew. We did it. There was a bit of, you know, one, then the other, and the other, then one, then the other. And it wasn't, they both walked and it wasn't until there was that shot of her walking into the frame with Matt that knew that it was not going to be Abby. But to go from the breaking the fourth wall so perfectly and seeing her with the, when people walk around our set, particularly on finale, they've always got an umbrella. Even though it's night, there's always an umbrella because you never know when it paps in the woods, right? And so they're always covered by an umbrella when they're walking from place to place until they're out of sight lines that we've kind of blocked off. So anyway, they did that incredible thing where they've got the umbrella and then that camera drops down and then when the camera pans back up again, now it's Brooke. And I thought that was just, just genius directing. I was so excited by that. Look, it was amazing editing, amazing camera work, but I have to admit, Osha, my heart broke. My heart broke and it would have it would have broken regardless of whether it was Brooke or whether it was Holly because I have to say that this season for me has been some of the most authentic emotion that I have seen on the franchise and that final moment with Brooke and Jimmy, I just, I'm going to go watch it again on part time and I'm going to be broken hearted all over again. It's clear that Brooke and Jimmy had a very strong connection. It was different to Holly and Jimmy's connection, but it was, it was really, it was important. There was that great moment where in the past, bachelors have always found that tricky, it's super tricky to segue from the, you're really awesome, you're really great, and you know, you are really someone that I'm right into, but I'm into someone else more. That segue from when they actually have to, you know, drop the hammer. Jimmy didn't say it, really, but the pause was long enough and his facial expressions were enough that you just saw it just unfold on Brooke's face in 100 frame a second slow-mo and she just went, oh, and it just dropped on her. 
I remember at the time we were sitting in a pop-up tent all the way up the gully, and I'm in mean, seriously, it's so cold. Brooke did so well wearing that frock because I'm in like a north face with a hoodie and like thermals. It was so cold in the desert at night, right? So we're all there rugged up, and I'm watching on a monitor hidden in a tent somewhere. I can't really see exactly so well because there's like, 50 people in the, in the tent or whatever. And I thought, oh, man, like Jimmy didn't actually say it to her. He didn't verbalize it to her. But then watching tonight, the way they cut it, he didn't need to. The whole thing just unfolded. I wasn't able to see Brooke's shot. The whole thing unfolded on her face. And, man, the hope just drained out of her body in that moment. It was exceptionally painful to watch. Yeah, you could see her eyes. For me, it was her eyes sort of diverted from Jimmy and over to the side. And I think that that was the key moment all of the audience could see that we saw the shots of her approaching Jimmy. She was confident. She felt it. And I think that that's what makes it so heartbreaking. And I really hope that Brooke looks back at this and she is so proud that she was. It's really hard to be vulnerable and it's really hard to be upfront and honest, sometimes with yourself about your own emotions, because it's hard to let that guard down and be honest that you're falling in love. And I just think everyone needs to keep that in mind as we comment on this situation that this is a person that was in love with Jimmy. Yeah. And that's really it at the foundation. Yeah. Just keep her in the forefront of her mind that her heart has been broken. That's what we watched. I know I'm a, a nerd for visual storytelling, but one of our camera guys was either Jamie or Mossy, I can't remember, was on Brooke's close-up. And you can see like so perfectly the body language when she's going heartbroken, heartbroken, heartbroken. And then you just see her jaw set. And she looks up at him and she this this external demonstration body language of her resolve just suddenly igniting within her and just going, then maybe you're not the right person for me. I need someone to take risks. And from that moment, I was like, okay, yes, it's going to hurt, but I think she's going to be all right. Yeah, I thought that was really powerful. And, you know, I think that that segues us nicely into our happy, beautiful story for the evening because, you know, as much as her heart has been broken... We've discussed it on the pod extensively, Osha. There were challenges for them in the future. Yeah. There were things that they both knew that were going to be incredibly challenging if they were to pursue a relationship moving forward. And as heartbreaking as it is, Jimmy has clearly done the soul searching that he needed to do and he's made a decision. What did you think of how emotional Jimmy was. I mean, when I saw the two of them, I think, you know, it was very clear that there was something hot going on between them. Like there was something fiery, fiery, fiery happening. But I think the two of them really were struggling with the age-old dilemma of feelings versus facts. You know, they both had this thing that was like, I really want this to work. I really want this to work. And then the uncomfortable, the, the Al Gore, the inconvenient truths were showing up. Like, yeah, but, you know, you really don't want somebody who's away all the time. And, yeah, but, you know, you really don't want someone who's not okay with you being away all the time. Like, they're just trying to calm these voices down. And then I think you really saw that in Jimmy's face when he quite openly wept with, like, real true heartbreak at how much he had hurt, I guess, Brooke. I think you nailed it. I think there's no way to make this roses and rainbows we're getting very close to cocktails and roses there, but we are watching reality TV and what reality TV does is reflect reality. Mm. And the reality of what we are watching is a really difficult situation for two people who really have a strong, beautiful connection, navigate, as you say, Osha, feelings versus facts. And I... I mean, it takes us to Holly, doesn't it? Yeah, so it was so tough. Jimmy did have a little moment. He did have some time to recalibrate and get himself together. And how much he lit up when he saw Holly come down those stairs, which is, by the way, Simpsons Gap. It's, that's the white person name for it. It's probably, I don't know the Indigenous First Nations name for it, but it's a, it was a place of extraordinary beauty, both in the day and the night when we were there. When the two of them were together, it just... It made me really, really happy. It's a little like what we talked about the other day. You know, what, what I want and what you want isn't what, what Jimmy wants. And Jimmy and Holly have clearly found this thing that is just so beautiful from 
when they met on the red carpet and she took him aside for that little cheeky pre-drink drink. They went out on the Sydney Harbour. They did a lot of smooching in cold water. There was a pond out in the bush somewhere. There was dunking themselves into the Hawkesbury where it was quite cold. Water didn't do well for her. She ended up going to hospital after one of the group dates. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. It's been a wild season, Osha. <laughs> Poor Holly. Yeah, it has been. When her sister and her cousin came to the mansion, like this season was the season of your family throwing you under the bus. Like everybody went under the bus when their family came to visit, not just Holly. And I, I was actually texting Jimmy before while the show was on air and they were watching it together. The two of them were, were watching it together. And it was so lovely, you know, that he sent me a photo of the two of them on the couch and I was just like, yay, they're they're good, they're happy. It makes me so happy that they're happy. I'm so glad and, you know, our bachelor's happiness is our happiness at the end of the day. And the thing that I'd say, Osha, that I found like, it sort of really moved me in a sense, like I've already alluded to how chaotic (laughs) me and producer Rach watching the finale together was on FaceTime. But basically, once I had gotten to, I watched Brooke and Jimmy on the bus. I basically ran home while I was on mute. And by the time that I got to our house, it was Holly coming down to meet Jimmy. And Jimmy says, I want a person that I can come home to at the end of a long day and I can cook with, or I can leave a note on the pillow when I have to leave before you. The way that he worded it was really beautiful. And what really touched me was I'd walked through the door, I'm watching the finale on FaceTime, and I walked in to Glenn cooking and I was like, far out, this is like, it's what love is, right? And I, it made me like, it tickled my heart. I was like, oh. Jimmy and Holly are going to be, he's going to be coming home from long days of work. And they're going to be cooking together and that, that's the beauty. The beauty is post-show. I think the show is amazing at identifying really, really special connections. But so much of the work and so much of your relationship building is in these months after the finale. And I'm so excited to see what's in store for Holly and Jimmy. Yeah, this is the, this is the part that a lot of families ask about. And this is the part where the rubber really meets the road. This is the part where, okay, well, the lights, the cameras, the catering and the, you know, the, the secret flights to, well, not flights really anymore, but you know, the, <laughs> all the, you know, production company support around keeping you connected goes away. You're out in the wild, you're out in public. And then the enormous pressure that comes from being in the public eye, whether it be on social media or even just in the press, that's all right there for you, you know, and it's a challenge, you know, when you know, things like your first fight happen, bumping into people that you might have been intimate with in the past in the street, things like that. Things that happen to regular couples start to happen, you know, these things happen. Oh, me and Glenn's first wedding we attended together in Perth. I'm like, oh, so who have you like, you know, weddings bring everyone from our past together. I'm like, so who have you hooked up with here? <laughs> We're in the real world and that's so exciting for them. I am so excited to follow their journey in these next few months. Mm -hmm. Like how freaking awesome is it to watch Lockie and Irina? Like just think about this, Osha. Basically a year ago, we were sitting here recording an ending of Lockie and Irina's finale and now they've been together for a year. They are such a beautiful couple and... They're going like great guns. I love The Bachelor. I love this show. And you have done your job again, Osha. (laughs) I'm grateful for it. It's really lovely. It was so nice to see Jimmy find love. It was so nice to see Holly find love. And yes, it was nice to see Brooke find strength in that moment. And we can all hope to have a bit of that if and when we ever get broken up with. Uh, <laughs> because it was it was a pretty what I love about this show is that it also demonstrates ways of dealing with relationships that we might not have otherwise realized were possible because we rarely ever see anyone dealing with those parts of their life. We rarely see people getting broken up with, you know, ever, except our own breaking ups, you know, or, you know, a, a loud argument in a pokey room. You know, we might see that, but we don't see, you know, we don't see people actually breaking up. And so it's nice to have that kind of that modeling to be able to pivot from. But yeah, Jimmy, Holly, congratulations. Well done. Season nine of The Bachelor and you two are our newest, most lovely, most wonderful, 
wonderful, wonderful couple. And um, I can't wait to see what happens next. I think it's, I'm going to call it, it's going to progress pretty quickly. That's what I'm saying here. Oh, yeah, I know how you love, like, oh, she just wants everyone to have babies immediately. Yep. <laughs> I reckon they'll pull the golly before you know it. Um, I saw something tonight on Instagram, and it was a preview of our next Bachelorette. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, there was a little flash that came up through the show as well tonight. Yeah. Brooke season's not far away. Not far away. Got a little break this time. And I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, in the past, we've had Bachelorette follow the week after Bachelor. And, and sometimes it doesn't do it because by the time we get to Bachelorette, like, oh, my God, I'm tired, you know? Fatigue. Batchy fatigue. It's real. It's been, it's been weeks. And then we might not get the chance to, to tell those stories, like tell the story of who the Bachelorette is effectively, particularly if it's someone that we don't know as well, if it's not like um, Sam Frost or Sophie Monk. So this time around, we are actually having this nice break between the two shows. And so we're going to have a great chance to tell the story of Brooke and tell the story of what's coming up. And I'm, I'm thrilled that we're going to get to have that moment with Brooke and give it the space and the fanfare and the pedestal that it deserves because Brooke's season of The Bachelorette is next level. It is absolutely some of the best television I've ever made. And I cannot wait, cannot wait for you to see it. You're amazing. And yeah, the first time we spoke to Jimmy, remember he said he was very happy and very in love? I don't think he was lying. Yep, I do. I don't think he was lying either. I'm so excited. Hey, this has been a super fun series. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everyone that helped us make this show. Thanks to Ali Aitken, of course, our fabulous producers, Ali Aitken and Rachel Barrett. Thank you to you, Alicia Aitken Radburn, and I'm Osha Ginsberg. You want to find us? We're on the 10 Speaks page at 10 Play. Um, you can also, you know, just tell someone, tell someone about this show and get them to listen to it because that'd be ace. We'll see you for, uh, see you for Brook season, boys and girls in the match. Gonna be sick. Good night, Alicia. See you next Thursday. <laughs>